What if everything you thought of health and wellness suddenly changed due to a hidden breathing problem that you were unaware of that affects every system in your body? Improper breathing habits are often overlooked in medicine. I'm Dr. Jenny from the Hobson Institute, and this is The Breathing Lab. Dr. Hobson, thank you for joining us on this interview. Can you tell us about your background and how you became interested in breathing? I mean, doesn't everybody already breathe? Yes, Joe, everybody does breathe, but not many know that they're not breathing properly and not breathing efficiently. Imagine if you do something incorrectly 20,000 times a day or even 30,000 times a day. I understand how it gets overlooked. This breathing issue is part of my story. My background is that I'm from D.C. My mom's from Chile. And my father is from New York, and I decided to study through the University of Maryland um, biology. And then I went overseas to study physical therapy in Amsterdam. There, I learned all about manual therapy and how to correct the body through hands-on touch. The Dutch are very known for their hands, along with the Australians and the New Zealanders. But my international experience has really brought me many different techniques that I keep trying to pass on to my peers and my colleagues. It wasn't until I ended up going back to the States, getting my license, starting to work in Chicago, that I moved uh, and lived in Chicago, worked under Peter McMiniman, who was the Illinois Physical Therapy Association president and promoted PTs owning their own practice. I was actually the first clinical resident for their year and a half long program where he was my mentor and critiqued me, grilled me on clinical reasoning. Clinical reasoning is really trying to get to the root of the problem of why people have their issues. So I had this training with my mentor and it really has formed who I am today as a clinician. And after your time in this um, program, did you, in fact, is that when you opened Physical Therapy Renaissance? Yes, soon after that. I actually was focusing on manual therapy and cranial facial uh, work, which is basically the head-neck TMJ area. Not many physical therapists go into this area, and it's a, it's a specialty. My mentor that I trained with was actually Chilean. His name is Dr. Mariano Racabato, who's a well-known, renowned PT who teaches dentists and physical therapists how to look at the effects of the bite or your occlusion from the back of the head forward with the posture of the head and neck in mind. So Dr. Racabato, he was Chilean. I said, you know what, could I come train with you since 2004? After I was trained by him in the United States, he allowed me to come, and I've been going every year, the month of January, to train with him, to collaborate. I always present to his staff anything new that I've learned, and he and I work with patients one-on-one, -on -one, really getting to the root of the problem. I've brought a lot of breathing awareness to his practice, and he fine-tunes 
the knowledge that I have about the head and neck and the TMJ posture also. And in 2005, you opened up Physical Therapy Renaissance. Yes, it's very hard to open up your own physical therapy practice because the big corporations are basically taking over. But this specialty, I was able to open up, and PT Renaissance is the focused provider of quality as opposed to quantity. So the big corporations are feeding patients, and it's a, it's basically like a factory. I take pride in our one-on-one treatments. You do not get an assistant. You do not get an aide. It's you with the therapist the whole time. That's very rare in our profession. Along with that, our specialties are very unique. Not many people go into the head and neck TMJ. I am able to train many of the therapists. I have six therapists that work for me, all trained in the head and neck, and they also have their own specialty. But we treat people that suffer from headaches, neck pain, facial pain, clicking and popping of the jaw, locking of the jaw. Those types of issues lead to other problems like dizziness, even cancer of the head and neck we treat there. We also have a specialty uh, called craniosteopathy, um, where any patient with chronic headaches, concussions, facial asymmetries, where one side of the face is starting to shift and be lower than the other, or even infants with misshapen heads. We use cranial osteopathy to help reshape the head and reduce any of the head symptoms that they may have. We also do breathing training for anyone with sleep apnea, asthma, snoring, chronic fatigue, mouth breathing, chronic nasal congestion, That's really my passion. And lastly, we do pelvic floor rehab. There's a very big connection between the jaw and the pelvic floor. And that if we clench up here, we actually clench down there too. But we we treat issues with um, pelvic floor pain, weakness, incontinence. These are all specialties that we provide to create a holistic approach to the patient. Now, dry needling is the one thing I want to mention. It is a very powerful technique that in 2004, I was introduced to it. Um, It's transformational because it reduces muscle pain. So if anyone has ever been told they need to have surgery and they haven't tried dry needling, it really is something you need to consider because muscle pain masks a bigger problem. If you can eliminate the muscle pain, 70% of my patients receive this treatment, and it really reduces a lot of the tension in the area and the chronic pain that they have. So I actually brought this technique to the state of Illinois. I was trained in 2009, decided to go ahead and do it even though it wasn't allowed in, in Illinois at the time. I went in 2010, I brought a big stack of clinical research, medical research, went to the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation and presented all the research and all the support around this. Now, this technique is being performed by many physical therapists all over the state of Illinois, and I'm so happy because it's something that everybody needs to have access to. How did you learn about this? You know, it was my my 
my dear mentor, Dr. Mariana Roccobato in Chile. So in 2004, Dr. Jan Dommerhalt, who is another mentor of mine, he's my dry needling chronic pain mentor, um, he went to Chile that same year, trained Mariano and his staff, and when I got there, he had already been through the training and said, you need to go see Dr. Jan Dommerhalt. He's the best dry needler. You need to learn this technique. So I took his advice, as I always do, all these wonderful mentors that have so much knowledge, and I went and I trained with him. How did you become interested or aware of breathing, of all things? It, it seems like you have this practice. It's uh, a cutting-edge success already. Uh, why did breathing come into the picture? Why now? You know, it wasn't until I had issues with my children, who were two and four at the time, that I realized breathing is a big factor in, in people's head and neck health. So in 2013, I met a woman at a sleep apnea conference and, and that I was introduced to go to in Chicago. Her name was Joy Moeller. She's a myofunctional therapist. And here I am, this TMJ head and neck specialist. I had no idea what myofunctional therapy even was. But she was there sitting, screening with a flashlight, looking in people's mouths, looking at their palate, looking at their teeth, looking at their tongue. And I said, you know, what are you looking at? I look at these things, but what are you seeing? So I was shocked that there's a whole other field that I was unaware of that relates to what I do. So it was something that I needed to know more about. And it wasn't only her. At the same con conference, Dr. Kevin Boyd, who is an outstanding pediatric dentist here in Chicago, I've always known him for referring patients for TMJ issues to my practice, but he asked me, who are you sending your kids to dentistry? Who are you sending them to? And I had a friend that opened up a practice, so she wasn't a pediatric dentist, but he said, bring them to me once a year. Let me check them. So I decided to do that. And I went, and he actually took a look at my kids and said, you know what, Jen? They're both very narrow, and their palates are very narrow, and they need expansion. They had high, narrow palates, and they needed a little appliance. You know, at age four, my daughter is being recommended an appliance to open up their pa her palate. So I thought, oh, my goodness, this might do, just be too much. I wanted a second opinion. I had many dental colleagues being a TMJ specialist. So I saw Dr. Michael Kupaki, who's a very good orthodontist in Hinsdale. He took a, took a lateral x-ray. It's called a lateral cephalometric x-ray. It shows the head. It shows the neck. And most importantly, it reveals the airway. And this, this orthodontist said to me, Jen, you're your child needs to go see an ENT immediately. Look at her tonsils. They're almost touching. This is my daughter. I had no idea. She wasn't sick. I always felt like she was a little bit of a drama queen, a little hyperactive, melting down easily. So I went ahead. I went to the ENT with both children, and she said, yeah, they both need a tonsillectomy, adenoidectomy. They were three-quarters of the, the space was covered and occupying their airway and had issues with breathing. And I said, well, why are they swollen? 
And she said, I don't know, maybe it's allergies. I said, oh, okay, let's stop for a moment, hold up, let's investigate. So we did testing on my, my children, both of them. My daughter was not allergic to anything. My son, he was five and a half weeks early, and he was allergic to many things. So I knew it wasn't just allergies because my daughter didn't have any. So right under my nose, what I didn't realize, the most important thing, is that they were mouth breathing all day. So mouth breathing, right? That it, it, People don't know what that looks like. Even if your lips are parted a little bit, never together, that your lips aren't sealed, you end up mouth breathing. So all I can remember is that several moments when my little girl, who was four, was in the car with her head leaning over on the, the car seat, waking up choking, sounding like she's choking and having a meltdown, gasping for air. Here I think she's a drama queen. Well, little did I know, her airway was completely compromised, and the tissues in her throat and her nose were so swollen that she could not breathe. She can't tell me that. She's four. So this was my big aha moment. And I thought, oh, my gosh, okay. Breathing. There's a breathing problem here, and it's in my own children. So this was a very personal experience to you. Breathing. This is actually a true health concern with your daughter, who is four years old. Wow. She was four years old. I thought it was just too much to do this whole palatal expansion thing, but what I've, what I've learned is that once you intercept this airway problem, you start changing their growth and development around the shape and size of their airway. So these little kids that you see that are, you know, on the computer or the iPads or their iPhones or their heads down, and then all of a sudden they stand up and their head's still forward and they're slouchy. You know, all these kids, there's many of them. Their airways are bending into that shape, and their body's forming around it. So when the doctor or physician says, you know, they'll grow out of it, or, you know, let's, let's just wait and see, you're wasting valuable moments of getting them out of this problem because their whole body is adapting to this pattern of breathing. You need to act. And learn about it first. Understand what it is. What is your child, what is happening to your child? It made me realize what myofunctional therapy was. And and I became a, trained in this field. It was going to change my children's life. So myofunctional therapy, just in short, is training the tongue to live up on the palate to chew properly, to swallow properly, to keep the lips together, to keep the teeth always apart, and to use your nose to breathe. That's what's important. So applying a, a retainer that helps support the proper size of the palate as the child is growing helps transform this airway along with the training of maintaining the proper function of the lips, the tongue, and, and basically the mouth and the vital area that we, we take for granted is our nose and our mouth. So that needs to be 
a recommended treatment plan and, and, and not just a few people doing it. This is, this is what transforms these children, not just an adenoid and a tonsillectomy. That takes away the problem, but the function is not changed. And guess what? Those, those tissues swell up again. So one thing I can tell you is that adults are originally little children that have this problem that never were intercepted. So I see many, many adults that have narrow high palates and issues with chronic nasal congestion and can't breathe. They're suffering. The children, we can intercept them and change their palate as they're growing and really retrain the breathing. For adults, you can still train it. You can still train it, but it does take more effort. You know, we're a little more, in a way, a little more screwed up um, because of our patterns of, of, of breathing and posture have been there for many years. But there is hope and there is a way of reversing this if you do the work and the training. Doctor, what kind of things have you done that, you know, or experiences for this in breathing that uh, would be relevant to our listeners, both healthcare professionals and people that are suffering, suffering from uh, the problems of improper breathing? Well, I think one of the main issues I want to bring up that is a very under underlooked at, un, people just don't get it, is there's a big issue with tongue tie. Not many people know about it. Um, along with being narrowed in the palate, both my kids were tongue-tied. So this hit home again. Tongue-tie is when the tongue is attached to the floor of the mouth um, through a little connective tissue called the lingual frenulum. So it causes a tightness on the floor of the mouth and an inability for the tongue to really elevate well up to the palate. So guess what? If the, if the tongue doesn't elevate to the palate, it, it, it creates a high narrow palate. If you have the tongue there properly, it makes a wide palate creating the nice base of the nose space. You need this nose to have a nice wide base to be able to breathe properly. So guess what? A high nerve palate travels to the nose, causing a deviated septum and restricted nasal breathing. And guess what? That's something that never goes away. Um, one thing you have to understand is that not many medical professionals even know about this. Pediatricians are not really fully trained on this, and they don't understand the ramifications of never correcting this problem and in terms of what happens to the health of these little infants as they become children to adults. So my son in particular was three years old when I realized this. I was a myofunctional therapist at the time. He could not articulate my daughter's name, Bella. He would say, ball, ball. He couldn't lift up his tongue. So I went to four different doctors that all had experience and, and, you know, advertised that they knew about tongue tie. So I indeed went to go talk to all four. Not one of them put their hands in my children's mouth, but they said, no, there's not a problem. They're fine. Well, well while working on my, my both my children's mouths, you know, I'm a manual therapist, so I release the floor of the mouth, release the tension in the throat. My son would spit up and vomit. And I knew there was a problem, and it was really tight and hard underneath his tongue. 
So I continued to do the research and found one doctor in particular that I thought could help me. And he was all the way in New York. You know, for me, my children will, I will go anywhere to help them. They're, they're, they're most important thing in my life. And I went to a Dr. Larry Kotlow, who in a matter of two minutes diagnosed him with a posterior tongue tie. He did, he was gloved up with hands, put his hands underneath my, my child's tongue. He had him on his lap, and I kind of held my son with his arms crossed, lifted up his tongue, showed me the restriction. And it was plain as day, but if you didn't lift it and traction the floor of the mouth, you wouldn't see it. So he brought him. In 10 minutes, my son came back, and everything changed after that moment. He was no longer having chronic breathing issues where he couldn't, always congested in his nose. He could start articulating his words. He started talking. You know, at at three and four, I, he's, he's becoming a normal little boy with a lot better health. So this is just an area that we we could talk for more, much more time about this, but I, I want you and all the healthcare professionals and the public to know that there's an issue with the tongue tie. And a low tongue posture caused by a tongue tie will create an airway issue that's permanent, creating a, a very narrow upper airway, um, which creates a need for mouth breathing. So you become like a prisoner of your own physical body because as you grew as a child, as a mouth breather, your nose ends up narrowing. And all of a sudden, you're stuck. So that's really one very important thing I think we should talk about in the future a little more in detail. Is the tongue tie, uh, once you understand it, relatively easy to deal with? Oh, yeah. I mean, what we do in my clinic, we help, you know, we handhold people because it's, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. But it's it's just a release of that connective tissue. It's not really cutting into the muscle of the tongue. But there's exercises we give pre-phrenectomy before you get the procedure done. And then right afterwards, we see patients twice a week for two weeks to make sure that their, their um, site that's been in corrected heals properly. And you want it to heal with the flexibility of going up. You don't want it to heal tight again. So it is something that I do recommend that you get some guidance on because a lot of people do this phrenectomy and don't do it properly and don't do the exercises because they're kind of scared or, you know, afraid to move the tongue after it's been released. And then it gets sticky again. So it is something that I take pride in and I make sure that people we walk through the rehab so that they, in two weeks, have a good functioning tongue. We also create the possibility of tongue training after that through myofunctional therapy. So just because you cut the tongue doesn't mean it's going to function properly immediately. You do need training. These are areas that are so automatic that you need to get someone to help you through it. A myofunctional therapist is what you need. So myofunctional therapy has been very instrumental in your in your life. Um, what other types of uh, of maladies or problems come in 
you know, are people experiencing because of breathing problems? Oh, you know what? Many people are chronically tired. That's what I'm in the city of Chicago. So lots of businessmen, very busy people going in and out of the city, working really hard. They're on the go. They all are breathing two to three times the rate that's normal, and they have no idea. So they're using their respiratory system two to three times as often. Well, that'll make you tired. So that's one thing. Chronic headaches. You know, if you don't oxygenate well, people go through all kinds of treatment for headaches, and they don't even look at their breathing. It's one thing that if you have chronic headaches, you should really think about. Now, sleep apnea and snoring. I've got many people to reduce their snoring to, to nothing or much less. So when you're a snorer, just know that snoring is something that is telling you that is not good breathing at night, first of all. But chances are you are leading or already have sleep apnea where you stop breathing for a period of time and there's a gas for air. That will make you tired all day if you breathe like that at night. You don't get into those different cycles of sleep where really REM, you need to get into REM. But those patients that are getting up several times at night to go to the bathroom, you, 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 you alter the cycle of sleep. You really aren't getting good rest. Asthmatics, asthmatics think that they are needing asthmatic steroid medication well, they're, they're in that vicious cycle because they're over-breathing, and a lot of them are mouth-breathing. So there's many different GERD. Okay, so if you have GERD, if you have issues with acid reflux, don't think it's just medication that you need. You also need to look at your breathing. Look at your swallow. Are you swallowing properly? These are automatic functions that get overlooked. Digestive problems. You know, one of the things I had was IBS. That is much more under control for me because of my breathing training and how I've transformed how I breathe today. So through all of this, doctor, I see this was the catalyst for the Hobson Institute. Yes, yes. You know, there's too many unknowns, and they're too important if people keep getting prescribed medication, you are putting a Band-Aid on a big problem, and you never actually get to the root of it. So my goal is to really educate the public, I educate people at large, because they have no idea, and they're going to doctors to get help. And these doctors, my second goal is to educate them, because they don't don't see the link to how poor breathing really affects all the different systems of the body. And they do. They need to learn that so that they can really give a holistic approach to health rather than just trying to maintain the symptoms under control. Well, tell us about the Hobson Institute. What are you doing right now to uh, help people with this, the area of breathing? Well, I, about four years ago, I started the Hobson Institute because I wanted to do these breathing clinics. And I learned through uh, one of my mentors is 
Patrick McNaught, who's an Irishman that taught me the buteco breathing technique, which is all around um, reducing your volume and your breath rate. Dr. Buteco was a Russian doctor that reduced his own blood pressure through simple breathing exercises. So people with high blood pressure should really consider looking at their breathing as well. So these clinics, I created a group session. So it's four different one-and-a-half-hour sessions in the daytime and the nighttime. And I give them, I basically instruct these every, every other month or so. But it's a three-tiered program. The first part is Buteco. And, and that's really learning about breathing through your nose and reducing the volume and the breath rate. Well, the second part is my myofunctional therapy and physical therapy approach. So I therapy exercises and education. I teach patients all about their airway and how to look at it and how to train it. And I work on their posture. You know, the way you sit, if you get really tight with a forward head posture because you're on the computer all day, your rib cage cannot really expand. So you really have to do some very specialized stretching to open up the rib cage and to stay in good alignment, especially the head and neck. So certain people, I will train their posture and their breathing, but some will actually need a little physical therapy. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But the the third tier is the Lois Laney restorative breathing approach. And this doctor, Lois Laney, has figured out how the cranial nerves, which are like the 12 cranial nerves in your brainstem that control all the automatic functions of the body. So breathing, seeing, hearing, balance, swallowing, all of those automatic functions, well, they can get a little messed up. And you can train them and restore them to proper function through very simple exercises that I introduce and teach on the third week. The fourth week is a review of all of them. All the exercises we review again. So that's what we do in the clinic for breathing. And I've had many physicians, many dentists, take my training, and they are all very, very, they, they leave with an open mind of, oh, my goodness, I never really realized that breathing was so involved in all the different systems of the body. Could you share some of the successes of your patients besides the uh, awareness? You know what? There is several stories, but just to name a, a couple, um, a young little boy at age six came to me because his mom was really concerned about GERD, GERD, so acid reflux, and, and he was spitting up all the time. So one of the doctors that she had seen said, he needs diaphragmatic breathing. So she had heard of me, brought her son, and you know, it's not that easy to bring children to the clinic, but she brought her son because it was that important. And in the month, he stopped throwing up. He learned where to put the tongue, how to, how, how to breathe through his nose. He didn't know he wasn't breathing through his nose. So putting awareness to all of it transformed this little boy's life. There's been many other 
cases where different anxiety patients, you know, we do an exercise that we breathe in, we pause, we hum as we exhale, and then we gently swallow at the end. The woman came to me after I taught her that, and she goes, Jenny, Dr. Hobson, I don't have anxiety. I want to say thank you so much for teaching me these, these exercises. It's controlling my anxiety. So that type of thing. And people that stop snoring, like not only them, but their partners come and thank me because they say, oh, my gosh, I can breathe, I can breathe and sleep better now because my partner isn't snoring anymore. So these exercises will help open up the airway and either reduce snoring and it just needs more time, or you can actually eliminate snoring from this clinic. So you, you have a significant amount of effort that you, you did to create this clinic. Um, how do you, how do you go out there and, and, and teach people? How do you get, break through the, the, the noise so that people understand the issue of breathing, both in the professional community and also just for people like me, you know, that have a sleep problem? Well, you know what, if you are a patient coming to me for head and neck symptoms, I have something that's very easy to connect to patients with. It's called the capnometer. It's a little machine. We put a nasal cannula in your nose, and it, it's connected to this little machine onto the computer, and it shows me first how often you're breathing. If it's erratic, if, it, if it's out of control, you know, you want breathing to be very smooth. And Many people are either holding their breath or breathing very fast and then holding their breath or, you know, it's, it's, it's not consistent or smooth. Secondly, the CO2 levels. So CO2 levels in the body, there's a certain amount that creates homeostasis in the body and, and, and you, your body works great. When you're under 35 millimeters of mercury and you see it, there's a plain line. And those patients that are breathing under that line, they see there's a problem. You know, and, and if they're also breathing, 8 to 10 breaths per minute sitting is what I want for a patient. But if I see that they're breathing 20, 26 breaths per minute, they are on an over-breathing pattern that's automatic and they have no idea. So, really, I use the capnometer. But if you don't have a capnometer, there's a very simple technique called a control pause where you breathe in and out. You exhale all the air out, you plug your nose, and you see how long you can hold it. You, you unplug when you really feel like you need to breathe. And those that can breathe under 20 seconds, they need to breathe under 20 seconds, they have issues. Those are the ones you, you really want to have a goal of making it to 40. But there's some people that have to unplug after five seconds. And that is a clear-cut sign that you have a breathing problem. So there's an easy way to do it even from your home. You can figure out how good a breather you are by breathing in and out, plugging your nose and holding your breath and seeing how long you can, you can hold it with, without needing to breathe. And that is a way of starting the conversation because people just really don't get it and they don't see a connection. They all think they can breathe fine. You know, they've been breathing find all these years and who am I to say that they're not breathing correctly? 
could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, are you a good breather? Uh, you know what, Joe, thank you for asking. I, I'm in training just like everybody else. So I grew up with my kids having this issue. I started thinking to myself, who am I and how was I breathing? So as a child, just like many at 12, you go to the orthodontist, they said, oh, you're all crowded. Your teeth are all crowded. We need to pull four teeth to make you nice and pretty and straight. So my parents had no idea. They just went along with the flow like all parents do when they go to someone they trust. They pulled four teeth, put on my braces, straightened my teeth, and you know what ends up happening? They didn't know I was tongue-tied and it was a mouth breather. So I, as an adult, grew with a high narrow palate, a deviated septum that blocked my right nostril, which, by the way, I just had nasal septum surgery about six weeks ago, finally, as I realized this was a bigger problem than I couldn't affect. Um, sometimes it's a structural problem that needs surgery at times. But I had my own breathing problems. And with learning about tongue tie, I released, you know, I had my phrenectomy, released my tongue. I've done two rounds of myofunctional therapy and have gone through palatal expansion as an adult and that nasal septum surgery. So, yes, I'm trying my hardest to breathe as best I can, and I'm trying to, you know, educate as many people along the way but am I a perfect breather no am I better every year yes I keep I keep training myself I keep practicing and learning from other specialists and experts so that I can help my patients and help many more people well doctor so an average person just to find out and learn a little bit about what you just shared with us how do I find out about my breathing, um, and how can the Hobson Institute help me? You know what? Your breathing, if you live in Chicago, I'd say come come see me. Otherwise, I would connect to me. Um, you can always get my ebook and get this very simple exercise via the Internet through just texting 58885 and your email and your name. And you're connected to me, but there is an easy way to test your breathing, and there's a video that explains it. So if you want to learn more about it, I would suggest that. Um, understand that a capnometer is something that's is, it's, it's an, an instrument that's kind of expensive, so that I don't expect people to have. But that exercise is simple, and you can do it from home. So, Dr. Hobson. Try to give us an idea of the major areas that breathing affects and what your clinic has done and what your, going, what your future is with the Hobson Institute. You know, one of the, the areas that I want to mention is children that are diagnosed with ADHD. Many, many are put on Ritalin and Adderall to calm them down, but no one looks at their breathing. So I've had several children get off of that medication because it was actually that they were breathing too fast and through their mouth. That caused them to be hyperactive. And one other area that I will tell you that is dear to me is 
helping pregnant women. You know, pregnancy, you start gaining weight, and your breathing starts to change. You know, it's hard to get around and to move around. So I've helped several pregnant women that are dealing with their pregnancy, their gaining weight, their issues with not feeling comfortable at night, falling asleep. And you know what? These children that are growing in their bellies are also affected by the way they breathe. So the pregnant women need to understand that they are passing it down to their infant or their fetus. So one of the things that I really want is to grow that awareness with pregnant women, you know, from the child being in the womb, then through their growth and development as an adult, making sure that all phases of life are addressed with proper breathing. Now, Joe, you asked me about my breathing clinics and what I've been up to. And now it's taken years to gather all this information and to really create something that connects all these fields because it's a really unknown area. So I've taken years to do this, brought it to my clinic. I've created an online clinic because my physical therapy office is in Chicago. It's hard for people to travel there sometimes. I don't want location to be a factor. It's a very successful clinic that has helped many people. But for those that can't really make it because of their schedule and, and where they live, I wanted the possibility of them also having the education at their, at their, you know, at their fingertips. So the, I've created two, two online training programs. One is more simple, just to get you started. It's really um, a, an introduction to breathing. And the other, the other one is the three-day program of incorporating all the three different um, buteco, myofunctional, posture, and Dr. Lois Laney's work. So that compilation you will get if you do the, the, the second program. So really, I am here to really make the challenge of location go away and make this product be something that everybody can access. And really, that's my goal is to teach as many patients and doctors more about the effects of breathing and how to correct it to improve everyone's health. Could you explain to us how, um, how pervasive and how many areas this breathing affects and then your approach and what you're doing currently in the Hobson Institute to address it? Sure, no problem, Joe. So the areas that breathing affects are many. These, this is the list. Anxiety, sleep apnea, snoring, asthma, concussion or trauma, ADHD, issues with breathing through pregnancy, chronic fatigue, headaches, GERD, acid reflux, digestive problems. So those, those, that's the, the big list. Now, what am I doing about this? If you cannot come to my in-clinic, breathing clinic, I've created the possibility of everyone being able to do this training online. So I've spent many years 
compiling all this information, and now I've created an online breathing clinic. Well, Dr. Hobson, thank you very much for giving us all this information and for sharing a bit of your story. Um, so if I wanted to learn today about the Hobson Institute, I would go to www.hobsoninstitute.com, and you have a website there, and I could learn a little bit about breathing there. That's right. Okay, That's great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Breathing Lab with Dr. Jenny. 